Let me pray, and then we'll uh, dig into James 1, 22 through 25. Father, thank you for the privilege it is, again, to, to gather your people, to look at your word, to see its, its usefulness, its power, its purpose in our lives. I pray that you would help us to see um, here in this passage what you would want us to see for our lives in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we are looking at James 1, chapter 1, verse 22. And I don't know if you'll be able to see, especially at the bottom here, but I've put the whole section of verses 22 through 25 up here, and I've intentionally kind of indented it on purpose for us for a reason. But let's, let's read the passage first and then try to understand what it means before we start to ask maybe some of those uh, quest study questions. So it says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. There's a lot in this passage. I, have a, I don't know if we're going to be able to get through it all today, but... I, I did something a little different that you could do on your own with p- some paper. Write out the, 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 the verse you're studying. And put every, when you're writing it out, you're going to break it down by phrases with starting at the left and then working. And the reason I indented them the way they did is because I'm trying to show... Well, I'm looking for what's called connector words. So if you think in our language, we have different connector words like and, and but, and therefore, and for, and because. What's that? Thank you, or. There's different connector words. So you're looking for those connector words. And I positioned this verse 23 in a little bit because it's still related to this, but it's not the main point. It's almost supporting the main point. Be doers of the word, not hearers only. For is a, what kind of, what kind of thing would you, yeah, because. It's, it's saying, do this, be a doer, not a hearer, because, and then what we're going to do is he gets into an illustration, and then You get down to the verse 25, but the one who looks, he's contrasting these two. It's still all tied to but be doers. And at the very end, he ties it all together with the very last phrase, he will be blessed in his doing. So be a doer, not a hearer only, and you'll be blessed in your doing. And then he explains all that in the middle. Does that make sense? There's no uh, law to how you do this. This is just my mind, how I work. And you, you do it as you're, as you're looking at it. You're just trying to understand how the different phrases relate to each other. In a story, like narrative, this doesn't help. It's hard to do that. 
But in books like the Apostle Paul writes, where he's very logical, this is very helpful. Uh, James sometimes is very logical like this, and it's definitely got a lot of thoughts. So what is the main gist? What's the main gist of this passage? This just these three verses we're looking at. What does it mean? Be doers and not hearers only. Yeah, be doers and not hearers only. What does that mean? Thane. Okay, you go preaching it. Don't just hear it. All right, that's good. Is when he says be doers, does doing simply mean preaching, though, thing? Ah, uh, I like obey it. Yeah. You could almost put, but be obeyers. Yeah, living it in obedience. I like that. How about living the word in obedience? That's great. The word. We just talked about this the last few weeks. And James is hooked on that main idea of your salvation. Um, the gospel. And so that's kind of flips things around. If you if you're not familiar with that idea of being a doer of the word, it's not just find all the things you're told to do and do those things. That's part of it. Mm-hmm. But it's bigger than that because it's about living out this salvation that God has worked in you. Yeah, what did the, the phrase last week? Look at if you have your Bibles in front of you, what does the verse right before this say about what does the word do? What is it? What is it going to do, yeah. Mandy? It saves your souls. And where is it located? It even says something in there. Am I remembering the right passage? I don't have it in front of me. Implanted. implanted. Yeah. It's implanted in you, and it saves your soul. It does something in you. Candy, you had your hand up. Yeah, 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 and that's going to tie in with what he's going to, we, we haven't hit that yet. We're going to be hitting that, that faith and works thing. I think he's hitting, getting, getting ready, kind of building us up to that. Faith in action. So we haven't really, we've got the gist, which is what we want. What else is he saying here in the middle? What is the point of his metaphor that he's got going on? Maybe somebody trying to put the explanation, uh, an explanation of the metaphor. I like it in one ear and out the other. Oh my gosh, yesterday, I do this all the time. Sitting right next to Elena and she was talking to me. I know she was talking to me. I really do. Because <laughs> I heard rah, 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 rah. And then I heard the question, like, what do you think? <laughs> and I go, what did you just say? 
<laughs> I, it was, that's even less engaged than, than I think the in one year and not the other. Because I think on one hand, we, we hear things and we actually are processing it somewhat, but we just let it keep on going out the other ear. Ooh, yeah, yeah. I haven't noticed. I hadn't caught that before. Yeah, he's not just like, I always kind of pictured it as a guy who's running out the door in the morning, scans the mirror and keeps on going. But that's not a person who's looking intently in a mirror. That's a person who, who a person who's looking intently in the mirror looks at the mess and says, man, I'm a mess. And then doesn't do anything about it. Mm. You, yeah, you can, I don't know if you could hear that in the back. There, Mark's pointing out that you can almost trick yourself into thinking you're doing great because you're reading so much scripture. But if you're not doing what it says, letting it change you, shape you, then you're like this guy. Mm-hmm. Stale and stagnant. I feel like it's it's not usually the new Christians. I feel like it's us older people that have been doing this in the faith for a long, long time. It's really easy for us to get in stale habits. Okay. Um, we're still just thinking meaning-wise. Verse 25, the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. I, 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 I like how our, we really summarized it, living the word in obedience, faith in action, but I'm, this is the danger of just trying to summarize something that's so dense and packed into a couple of words. I don't know that we pick up on much of what verse 25 is saying, what, this perfect law, this law of liberty and persevering, what, what is going on there? How does that kind of shape the meaning of the whole paragraph? Matt? I, wanna, I don't want to jump ahead. But I think that that's the connection. That's what that, the word is, the perfect law, the law of liberty. But I'm not for sure. It's, that's the connector there with that part. That's another way of him describing what that perfect law is. I think I agree. So, yes. What did he say about persevering earlier in this chapter? You have to kind of scan there. Yep. Yeah, the crown of life, standing resisting that's persevering this is what i've been talking about with 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 james he's not using the exact same words but he's got like these threads that are running through the whole chapter that kind of connect ideas to each other it's very very different than 
like this, therefore this, and this, and and key terms. It, it's very fluid, but yet it's still very tightly knit together. Okay. All right, so let's think about our questions. There's four kinds of questions. What does this tell me about God? What does this tell me about mankind? What does this tell me about relating to God? And what does it tell me about relating to others? Of those categories of questions, which questions do you think, based on this, might be easiest for us to start thinking about first? What does it tell us about our God? What does it tell us about people? What does this tell us about relating to God or relating to others? Mm. So I think that tells me that God doesn't want us to be, people are doing stuff because we fear him. He wants us to want to serve him. Yeah, that he's got a, a perfect plan that you'll find joy in. Matt, what were you going to say? Yeah, yeah. Forgetfulness. Um, I think it says it twice, doesn't it? It does. Forgetter is down near the bottom in verse 25, and then it's up in 24. The part of the not doing is is about being forgetful. If you're not doing, you've forgotten something. Yeah, in my fallen condition, I'm a forgetter. Let's just start with people, the people questions. What does this tell us? It tells us that we're forgetters. What other things does it tell us about ourselves? Todd. I would say that we, we look at ourselves. Uh, I was just connecting the, the two, 24 and 25. We look at ourselves, and then in, then in 25, it's saying look into the perfect law. We're looking into Christ Oh, I like that. And that's our sinful nature. We look at ourselves first and we're looking at Yeah. Yeah. Now, the metaphor, it is a metaphor about how we as humans might look at a mirror just to, from a real practical perspective... So I don't know that it's necessarily saying, but I think what you're saying is true, though, that we, this is our tendency is to be self-absorbed versus looking at someplace else as to what, what I should do, what I should be. What else does it tell us about ourselves? Yeah, yeah. I wonder why that is, that it's easier to hear than to do. Thane? A little bit louder when you talk. I got to hear you, bud. I think what I heard you say, Thane, so... 
correct me if I misheard you. It's easy to hear things in the Bible, but we, maybe it's harder to do because I'm worried about what others may think about me. Oof, there's some deep insight into what it's going to be like the rest of your life. <laughs> Fear of man is a snare, it says in Proverbs 27, and that's what you're talking about there. We, we may be hesitant to do what's right because, well, what are they going to say about me? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're sitting there learning about helping your brothers, and then it's like you're saying it, it was un, it was more uncomfortable for me to get in my car, drive over there. But then once you do it, you realize it's more rewarding than talking about. It. Yeah, you're you're act. It's not that the truth. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Matt? Um, I think this, what James is teaching is, it become, and like you said, he's going to get into it even deeper. But uh, it's so important because before Christianity, before what Christ taught us, there was that following of the law, that do part was important, but they were missing what was going on inside. As Christ came in, there was that embracing of it's about believing and having faith and and, but as humanity, that's part of our fallen condition is just to twist and distort everything. <laughs> you know, if it's about doing and then oh, I can just do what I'm supposed to do and not really have any internal change. But then when it's, hey, it's about believing and then we're like, oh, I guess I don't have to do anything then. It's like we, we're always going to, but this really hits at it, a whole person mm -hmm. aspect. And what does it really even mean to believe? And if you really believe, you will do. I think it's And you're only going to do what you really believe. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. My, my actions will reveal really what I really believe. Yeah. yeah. Good. Other thoughts on what this teaches us about ourselves? Or maybe we could talk about what does it teach us then about God, knowing those things. It's interesting because it's, it doesn't say direct statements about God, but these things we are seeing about ourselves are always should be framed and then, well, we're made by God. This is from God. It must be then telling me something implicitly about God. It's not really, I don't know, like I don't know how to say it, but mm. it's not about us, but we tend to think that way. Like mm. Verses are saying we look at ourselves, we look intently, but I don't, I guess what it's telling me about God is God's not so much concerned about us individually as he is 
this whole plan. I don't know if that's stating it incorrectly, but I, to me, I think God's plan for the whole the, the whole restoration is more important to Him than how you're feeling. How you're feeling at the moment. That's interesting. Matt? I, I think it speaks a lot about the, the unchangeableness of God because this also, and as much as this sounds like, okay, here's James, this sounds like what Christ was teaching, but you could go way back, and there's parts of this that remind me of Psalm chapter 1. You know, the, the blessed is the man who, you know, walks not, you know, I mean, there's, there's that dude in connection with and there's that blessed in his doing at the end that's God's his message isn't really changing over time it's not a new thing it's been yeah maybe more fully developed but I think I think that's interesting insight look at Psalm 1 What's that first word? Psalm 1, blessed. Right? This past section ends with you're blessed and you're doing. The psalmist here starts with, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. So he's got to be in it. But this is not someone who's simply just thinking about it. He's, a, he's, he's reacting to it because he walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. He doesn't stand in the way of sinners. He doesn't sit in the seat of scoffers. And then what is he like then if he does that, meditating day and night? Verse 3, he's like a pl tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, they're like chaff that the wind drives away. That's, uh, I think that's really neat. Cause I can, can you guys see that parallel? It almost feels like James is pulling that, those thoughts together in a whole different way, but the same thought. I see that a lot in James. You can feel like you're reading the Old Testament. Like, I feel like I've read this before. And then you go look for that passage, you can't find it. Like the words exactly, but then you think, oh wait, it's it's just like that, or just like this. Was he just like absorbing, like, you know what I'm saying? Like he didn't believe in Jesus, or he didn't, was he absorbing all this, and then like hearing it, but still not believing it, and then one day he just started believing, and then yeah, that's a great question. So, like James, what's that? Mm -mm. Is it related to his question? Okay. Does it talk about the author? Which James? Did we get into that? Which James? Because there's like three Jameses listed in the Gospels. Oh. Yeah. And so I've thought about that before too. So 
I think James may have been there at the Sermon on the Mount, not as a, I mean, he's still like, yeah, my brother, <laughs> you know, get real. But it, I, I wonder, like you, I wonder if he was soaking that stuff in, but then, you know, he, even right before his crucifixion, he, you see the brothers kind of mocking Jesus, like, hey, I heard they want to kill you in Jerusalem. Do you know where you should go? Jerusalem. You know, I mean, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, then he goes, he, but then something changes. Yeah. And I think it was the resurrection. I mean, that that would convince you. Right. Um, and But I think that a lot of the things that he heard, I think he'd been with Jesus longer than anybody else probably had been with Jesus, other than his mother. <laughs> Which tells me it points to parenting that planted the word in him all his life. We know that Mary was like that because her response to the angel Gabriel when she sings her Magnificat is just full of prophecy from the Old Testament. She was saturated in the word. She must have planted this in her sons. And even though it didn't blossom right away, which might have been, if you think about it, Jesus didn't die till he was 33 his brothers may be, you know, they're definitely obviously younger than him, but it could be, who knows, maybe James is 25. 25 years of Mary waiting to see fruition come from her planting the word in him. And then he, and then Jesus rises from the de- dead, and, and now some, the light turns on finally. But, you know, the putting the word in us is essential and if we're people who are putting the word in others, we can't worry about whether we can make it come to life. Thane? I don't know. I don't, it, it doesn't say in scripture, did any of, you mean before he died, you mean? Yeah, it doesn't say, but it does give us the feeling that Mary, his mother was about the only one who was on his support team from the family. Joseph is a big mystery to us because we only hear about him during the birth and when he's maybe two or three, when the the wise men, the magi come, and then at the temple when he's 12. And then after that, it's like Joseph disappears and it's just the Bible's silent. And a lot of people think that he passed away. What else, what, what else does this teach us about God? I see something in that last word of blessed. Hmm. God's not forgetful himself. Like we are. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God blesses when you, when you obey. I think that's an Old Testament principle that carries forward into the New Testament. And it's, when I, when I say that, and you, we're gonna, there are several things in James that'll make you think, wait, 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 wait. You can't do that. For instance, the relationship between faith and works. There are some that would say, we, that God blesses 
us not as a response to our behavior, but simply because he wants to. And I would say he can, and sometimes he does, in spite of my behavior. But this verse right here shows me that God still operates the way he did the same in the Old Testament, that there is blessing for obedience, and there's discipline and chastisement for disobedience in my life. He does. He does say, because you obeyed, I will do this. Yep. Now, I think the danger that people that, that react against those statements, the danger they're trying to watch out for, that we also need to be careful, is saying that somehow my obedience can earn my way into heaven. Because I could never obey fully enough, enough to be able to get into heaven. Matt. I think it's, it's everybody hates math. Likes math, I love math, Matt. We, everybody, we're always trying to create a formula that's simple for how God operates. If I do this, this, and this, I, I, I this, it's going to equal this. And I think this text just, you know, you, you, if you take just this one, you could come up with a formula, but then there's all kinds of other ones that kind of float. It's a much more complex formula than mm-hmm. a simple and it's definitely not a formula that's going to end up with us manipulating God. Right, right. right. For instance, what does it mean you're going to be blessed in your doing? Does that mean I'll get that, that Porsche I've been always wanting in my life? No. I know. A big cheesy grin. Right? It, it, God's blessing takes different shapes than what we anticipate. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Musa. Amen. Or in generations to come. Right? My my grandpa died when I was five or six. He died in 81, I think. Um, or 82. I can't remember. But he never really got to see anything in my life. And I really didn't get to know his life. But I've got all of his, well, not all, but I have lots of his books and Bibles that are just full of all kinds of notes on every white space in a page. He's filled it up with something and it's blessed me and helped me. And he has no idea. And maybe he does now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What's the, uh, the next question? I don't have on my hand, the handout in front of me here. I got this. Let's jump to the application questions. We haven't done that yet. We keep getting, getting into these deep conversations and we never get to the very last ones. Wouldn't it be appropriate to apply this given this text? 
<laughs> right? This text is about apply this to your life, the word. What does God want me to do? Do the word. Do the word, right? What does God want you to think or understand from this? And there's not a, in a sense, I mean, this is a very personal question. Like, what does God want you to think or understand from this passage then? in a not really living what the word calls you to do the most you're going to deceive is yourself you're definitely not going to deceive God mm. yeah we no we, we did nobody's really said anything about that until you said that now did you catch this deceiving yourselves part we uh Deceived people don't really get that they're deceived. Because otherwise it wouldn't be deceived. What's that? Mm. Yeah. Guys, guys that were here with us this Wednesday, what, what did we talk about from 1 Timothy 3 that seems relevant to that? Yeah, holding to the mystery of the faith with a clear, a clean conscience. And go ahead, Matt. Um, next next week when we get back to Luke, then there's a little texture that just matches up with that that idea. Um, it's talking about at the end, and Jesus says. Um, once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door saying, Lord, open to us. Then he will answer you, I do not know where you come from. Then their response, then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence. You taught in our streets. Like there's this, they were hearers, but there was something off. And there's going to be people that at some point like, oh, we were we, there. Hmm. This one, no. Um, in that Matthew passage where they talk about, did we not do mighty works in your name and, and those things? There's a little bit of that. But this one doesn't have any, they're not doing anything other than eating and drinking in his presence. Um, but yeah, I know, I know which one you're talking about. There's that Matthew 7 passage. The, the next application question says, what does God want me to believe? Remember the difference between the first question there, what does God want me to think and understand? The what does God want me to believe? Faith has an aspect of knowing, and it has an aspect then of agreeing with what I know. But the, the ultimate part of faith is then that I rest I trust in, I put my full weight on that thing that I know and agree with now. So the believe part is, what about this passage do I need to take to heart and, and firmly believe that I'm not maybe believing right now? 
When I look at my life, do I see areas that I know I'm supposed to be applying doing the word here in this particular thing that I know I'm not? I would say that that would be, whatever that is that comes to your mind, that's what God wants you to believe that I'm deceiving myself. I'm deceiving myself thinking that I don't have to do, I don't have to obey in that area. Matt? I'm having a hard time not saying things. But I, That's fine. Um, it's because you're not preaching or teaching this week. So you're like, I got, I'm itchy. Uh, that, that perfect law, the law of liberty, I think one of the things that we have trouble believing is that God's law is a law of liberty. Um, we tend to think of mm. God's requirements of this. When, when there's something that we really want and we're not getting it, we tend to think of God's law not as a law of liberty, but as a law of restriction. Yeah. And, and, uh, but part of believing, part of doing the word, that belief part of it is, is really believing it's a law of liberty. It's a, it's a good message of good news that we are freed to do good. Um, and I think that maybe the believing part might be part of, of that, really tr- trusting that God is a giver of good gifts. And it's, it's a law of liberty, not a law of restriction or bondage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's a, a guy named Ted Tripp. If you know Paul David Tripp, it's, it's his brother who talks about the circle of blessing, that God's law is, is borders for you to keep you safe. But within that, that whole area within that is freedom to act, to live, to do, and to be. His, the only constraint there is that, that circle of blessing. Like, if you go outside of that, <laughs> you're not going to experience the blessing. But as you stay within that area, there's freedom. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And not just by us, but by key leaders of the church. I mean, I'm hearing about another church that's loosening the border with homosexuality and transgender issues. You know what I mean? So it's just like, I want to be a hearer and a doer, but it's, it's, you can see the crumbling of even the border. Mm-hmm. That's, it's still there. God's still mighty. Mm-hmm. But it's all being redefined. You know what I mean? I do, yeah. It's right and the wrong. It's starting to get very, the, the, what we're hearing from even Pat, like, I think it's, if they are going to preach this preach this passage, it should be to a room full of pastors. <laughs> you know, because Todd was talking about, like, well, it's, it's the people of faith. It's not even, like, new Christians that are doing this. People of faith. Well, I'm going to go as far as to say, like, it's not even, like, people that are sitting in the pews of faith. It's the leaders of our churches. It's the men. I mean, some of the biggest jack wagons I've ever met are pastors that spend that? their week. I can don't tell people my nickname. That spend their week looking into the perfect law of liberty, and they're total like jerks. Yeah, you know or or they're twisting it too. Like I think I'm going to call names here. I I have been blessed in my life by the ministry of Charles Stanley. His teaching just so great. His son is twisting the word of God 
His son is becoming a false teacher more and more. And I hope that's on the recording. So I, I really enjoyed him, but he's, it's he, like... He was a, a, he, he spoke into a defining moment, but it, that's what I'm saying. Like, like, this is good for us, and this is good for new believers, but man, you could get a whole bunch of pastors together and just drill this in because the deception is there. And, and then that's what's going out into the churches. Like, yeah, it's yeah. Not, it's not just like long-term Christians. It's people whose job yeah. is to look into the perfect law of liberty every week. And then to feed the sheep. And then walk away and forget what they read in their life. Yeah, you know? like, yeah. It's just, oh. Yeah. Sorry. That's what I was going to say about the, the word is defined by the perfect law. Yes. Yeah. It's not defined by some guy that calls himself a pastor. Yeah. It's right here. It's defined. Yeah. So we have it. But the, and, the mission now is to crumble it or to haze it. Like, yeah. Oh. Yeah, but that's that's on them and God. Yeah. <laughs> like that, you know, it very much says that. I'd say it's on us too to recognize well, yeah. it. Well, yeah. because yeah. call them out on it. Voice. <laughs> it's a powerful voice. Yeah, Melissa. Yeah. out of time, the one thing that I would add as far as what does God want me to do, I feel like it's very easy to convince myself that this is something between me and God that I just need to deal with myself and my heart. And then when I do that, I'm deceiving myself because God has put me into a body with other believers and frankly, unless I'm opening up to them and telling them what I struggle with, I'm probably not going to get out of this. I'm going to be trapped in that looking in the mirror and not doing anything about it. So I'm just encouraging you to speak with one another. Develop tight friendships where you feel that honest, that, that safeness to be able to say, listen, I'm struggling with this area. I, I am discontent or whatever it is that I'm struggling with. Would you help me? That doing the word together, right? I keep seeing that word persevere. 
hasn't been circled yet. Yeah, yeah. This is continuous. Yeah. Yep. Who does look into the perfect law and perseveres. Yeah. So it's not guaranteed that everybody's going to get it every time. Right. But Yep. Let me pray. Father, thank you for your word, the perfect law, the law of liberty. Thank you for the fact that it is the revealer of our hearts, that it can cut all the way down to the marrow and show us who we truly are. And I thank you for the spirit that you put in us, your spirit who gives us grace to obey, to be doers, God, I ask for grace to help us to not be, to be listening and obeying, that you would help us to not quench the Spirit's conviction of the word in our hearts, but would, would obey and follow through on what you're whispering to us and sometimes shouting in our ears to do or not do. Pray that you would conform us to the image of your Son as you revealed him in the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen.